0: Keep a secret is sponsored by Will Anderson Insurance. A lot of times, insurance can be intimidating. Willie Anderson doesn't do it that way. He will explain it like you're reading a children's book. He answers his phone when you need him, and he's going to save you money. Uh, I can't guarantee that because uh, there's lawyers that tell me not, but trust me, if you reach out to Will Anderson Insurance, I think you're going to find that your wallet is a little heavier. We're also sponsored by Joe Mama's Salsa. Jomama's is a completely different type of salsa. Kind of tastes like cowboy caviar. Starts tart, finishes with a kick. You can become a Mama holic You got to be careful with this stuff. It's delicious. Baby mama. That's mild. Original. Roasted garlic, pineapple mango, habanero, as well as smoking hot mama. That's the spicy stuff. Check it out at Cub Foods. Take a magic carpet ride for your mouth joe mama's salsa and will anderson insurance this is can you keep a secret let's go hello and welcome back to can you keep a secret part of the poll tab sports network we got a special guest today casey o'brien some call him a fire breather golden gopher placeholder Uh, five-time cancer survivor, and back in the ring with cancer right now, which we'll get into. This is, uh, he might be an alien, he might be a reptile, he's for sure a hero, Casey O'Brien, so we'll get into him. Um, Co-host Tom Garrity. Hey. Welcome back, Tom. Thank you. Casey, welcome to Can You Keep a Secret? Uh,
1: How was your commute in? It was ridiculous. I uh, was downtown Minneapolis today, and I felt like I could have walked over here faster, but I... You know, some days you got to battle through the traffic and we're here now, so let's have some fun. Yeah. I
0: cut a guy off. I forgot about university, that exit, and I I just went last minute and cut a guy
2: off. Reading your phone?
0: And I was not reading my phone, but he laid on the horn on me. And then I gave him the, you know, the wave where it's like, I know. My bad. (laughs) And then I did a double wave. And I I think he was good with it, but then he pulled up on the side of me and I kept ahead of him because I didn't want to see if he was still mad. Right. But I, uh, do you have an apartment situation or
1: a home dwelling? I actually uh, I bought a duplex in St. Paul. So, so have I lived... you been Go shoveling ahead. and stuff? You have yeah, a... okay. I have been. It's probably the worst year to be a first-year homeowner ever.
0: Did you do the heavy stuff a week ago and get it clear when it was warm for those two days? Yeah,
1: I did. I did, which was a good move because my, my garage is kind of on a little hill. So if there's any ice that gets going... Car just slides down the hill into the snowbank. So that's nice. <laughs> guys, stay on your toes.
2: So where'd you pick? I mean, like, what part of St. Paul? Like over by Highland.
1: So I'm I'm right uh right on Juliet and Griggs. I could throw a football and hit Edgecombe Park. There's a little rink there. Okay. Um. Oh yeah, yeah. I know where that's. It's at. probably a mile from Cretin in the Nook, and it's right by that Trader Joe's on Randolph.
2: Oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. that's a great spot. Great so location. You,
0: you're still in the you're in the womb of the Cretin world. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> What are the hotspots over there? I know the Nook is amazing, but like, if you're doing your, if you were doing your own kind of version of a tour through the Cretanville of Minnesota, what are where were we going?
1: Oh, well, we're starting at the Nook because it's right there. You know, you go downstairs, you throw a dollar on the ceiling, and you get your juicy Lucy, and then you uh, you hop in your car and you get on West Seventh. Because there's four or five different places that are owned by Cretan Families on West 7th.
0: Take us through them.
1: So you're starting at Mancini's. Awesome. The best. You're getting some garlic toast and a steak. And then you're walking down to Gigi oh, You're getting a little spot. chicken parm.
2: Have you ever played bocce there?
1: I have not played bocce
2: there. Yeah, but they have it, right? They do. Because I love that place, but I've, I just anyway keep going.
1: And then there's a new bar called Emerald Bar, which is kind of like specialty cocktails on West 7th. Uh, That's owned by a Cretan family as well, so you stop in there, get a little espresso martini, a little something crazy, Mm. and then you uh, you finish right down by the Exit Eagle Street. It's another Cretan guy there. So
0: wow, I didn't realize there was a Cretan mafia. You
1: know,
2: it's like a bar crawl, a Cretan bar
0: crawl.
1: (laughs) You could do it. You could do it. That's great. Do, when you're at
0: Mancini's, do you put uh, tomato on top of the garlic bread and then the Italian dressing? Have you done that yet?
1: I haven't. You might have just changed my world, though. It Well, first of all, the
0: bread's great on its own, right? right. But if you put the tomato, they're thinly sliced yeah. in the relish uh-huh. tray, and then you put some of that Italian dressing on it, holy we had our We had <laughs> our
2: first family dinner there when we started our company. Yes. And then we did a bunch of pull tabs we want a little money, right? Yeah, we
0: drank some White Russians.
2: Yeah, we got we went all in. Yep. We went all in. Any it's a restaurant, fantastic place.
0: Any restaurant where the owner comes by and like kind of rubs your shoulder, like yeah. checks in.
2: Yeah, that's cool. I think he didn't he even hook us up with dessert. Like he, I think nice they always, they hook night. you up
1: and then it's on your bill. Oh, okay. Well, I, I <laughs> thought Sheet it was. Sheet cake. He gave us spumoni, I think. Usually, oh, yeah. if it's a birthday or something like that, they'll send it out for free. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, it was it was great.
1: But so Johnny and Pat Mancini are the two owners. And uh, I, one of my, their nephew, Michael Mancini is one of my best buddies. So we know both of them really well. And, you know, a few weeks back I was down there and I was talking with them and I was like, Hey, you know, who are some of like the, the big names that have come through here? You know, who's come through that you guys have kind of been a little bit starstruck by. And Pat is the older of the two brothers and he, uh, they both worked for their grandpa since they were like 12 years old. You know, Nick Mancini was the one who started it. He bought it as like a three, two bar, which is like. I didn't, I, they had to explain it to me what 3-2 beer was. Like, mm. it's like gas station beer. Yeah. It's not the normal alcohol by volume. <laughs> so anyways. Yeah, we don't do that. So he, uh, Nick Mancini somehow got into, um, like, the WWF world and, like, those guys. So when Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and all those guys would come to town, they all would stop at Mancini's afterwards. And he had these unbelievable stories about, like, Andre the Giant crushing, like, bottles of booze and like them getting him home making sure he was taken care of but he, they were doing these impressions like nicky you're my guy you're my guy <laughs> nicky and then it's andre the giant
2: passed out on the couch and well he's like he's like legendary for like drinking like unbelievable amounts of liquor
0: what's that company that brings the water into
1: our office I, I Culligan?
0: that's how much he drinks like one of those bottles
2: can you imagine trying to get him out of an uber to his parents house
1: well that's what that's what he was talking about because nick (laughs) nick mancini one night drove him back from the restaurant to uh (laughs) to his hotel in bloomington or something like that and like he like they tried to put the front seat down it was like a two-door car and he like broke the front seat when he leaned back and like they could barely get him in the thing andre the
0: giant dead weight that's a tough that's scary tough carry imagine uh, yeah, so you're you're we we do got to tell your story, Casey, and then we're just gonna basically screw around with you the rest of the time because this is one hell of a story. So your story actually begins um, at Creighton in some some regard. So tell us when you first found out that um, cancer couldn't get enough of you, as you like to say, which is a great line.
1: Yeah. So I was a freshman in high school. Grew up playing, you know, any sport I could play. You know, football, hockey, lacrosse, baseball. Played everything. But football was always my favorite sport. And so my freshman year of high school, I was playing quarterback and like halfway through the year started having a pain on the inside of my left knee when I would drop back to pass. And it kept on getting worse and worse to the point where I was going to school on crutches would like crutch around the hallways at school, put the crutches on the fence and practice and then grab them after practice and stay on it the rest of the night to the point where I could barely move. And so my parents were like, hey, we need to just go get an MRI and just figure out what this is. And, you know, they found a tumor the size of a softball on the inside of my knee and diagnosed me with osteosarcoma. And osteosarcoma is a really rare form of children's bone cancer. And it's, uh, it's a pretty dangerous one. And so, you know, that was kind of the, the introduction to me into the world of cancer and surgeries and chemo and everything like that. And, uh, here we are 10 years later, still in the thick of it.
0: Well, you if- you know, if you had cancer as a quarterback, even though you couldn't play at your best, you think you could check down three yards on like a, <laughs> I a could find and the eight.
1: first down sticks and throw some clothes. <laughs> I can tell you that. It's still, it's still pretty Sorry, it's Still pretty bitter. Inappropriate. <laughs> I suppose um, it's going to be that way. So
0: then uh, the another part of the story that I just love is you decide you want your football journey to continue. You start shopping yourself uh, out there, but it's a very difficult. Clearance process because you've you've been kind of put back together like Humpty Dumpty and you're a high risk if you were to be hit or tackled etc. But there's a young gentleman uh, with a bald head in in Minneapolis that saw things a little differently. Tell us that story.
1: Yeah, so my junior year of high school, my cancer had come back in both my lungs, and you know if you know cancer, tumors in both your lungs is not a good situation to be in. And so at that point, I was pretty frustrated and I was like, hey, you know. i want to figure out a way to kind of take my life back you know i'm tired of cancer dictating my life and so there was two positions that i could play that are supposed to be non-contact positions in football you know nothing's non-contact but if you're a placeholder or you're a kicker slash punter you're protected by the rules you know you're not supposed to run into the kicker or the holder and so i couldn't kick for shit i don't know if we can swear on this <laughs> yeah spot you can yesterday. swear you can totally i couldn't swear. kick for shit so i uh <laughs> i figured out a way to start holding and, um, you know, figured out a, uh, a way to get out to practice. Um, you know, at this point I was still recovering from having my knee fully replaced as a 13 year old, you know, had metal rod, two metal rods in my leg and a replaced knee and wanted to go play high school football. And my doctors told me, Hey, you know, you can play, but if you get hit, you're coming straight back to the hospital. And it took us eight hours to put that leg together. We don't know how we're going to fix it and as crazy as it is it was a risk that I was willing to take you know football was something where I could go in the locker room and nobody would look at me any differently and when I put on a helmet and shoulder pads and a jersey the team across the field didn't know that I was going through cancer and so it was something that made me feel normal in a time that really wasn't because you know at that point I was going through chemo I was missing more classes than I was in during school you know I was bald I was underweight all that kind of stuff that comes with it so it was something that I could really, you know, fixate on and, and help me get through things.
0: And then uh, you, how did you start the process when you wanted to continue on into college football? What was your outreach process?
1: Uh, my outreach process was calling as many coaches as I could get phone numbers for. <laughs> You're just calling up Saban. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we. So my dad's my dad's been in in football his entire life since he was 22 years old, and has done it at you know, division one, division two, II, division, and three. Um, so he has some connections out there. So we had people at different places that, you know, would help us get phone numbers here and there. And so I got the chance to get my name in front of some big schools and everybody kind of came back with the same response of, hey, you know, we love the story, but we can't clear you to play. You know, our doctors won't clear you. Um, you know, we, we'd love you to be a manager, a practice player, you know, whatever, but we're never going to put you in a game. And for me as a competitor, I was like, I'm not going to spend all that time and effort doing something and never get a chance to play. And so I really didn't have like a school to go to that was going to give me a shot. And so it's early April in my senior year of high school. Everybody in my senior class is, you know, wearing their school sweatshirts around and this, that, and the other. And everybody knows where they're going except for me. And I get a text one day during spring ball from one of the recruiting guys at the U of M. And he just says, hey, you know, we heard that you're looking to still play. Uh, Coach Fleck wants to hear your story. So I came over all by myself, you know, I didn't tell my parents I was going over there um, and sat down with them, you know, just like this and told them my whole story and said, uh, you know, I want to play college football. And he said, hey, I I want you to play here. Like, I got a spot for you. And I looked at him and I said, hey, if, if I'm the best we got, am I going to get a chance to play? And he said yes and committed right there on the spot.
2: Oh, that's awesome. That's the best. You wow, know, what I, a great story.
1: And I've talked to
0: PJ about it, and one of the things he jokes, he goes, hey, this this kid wanted to be a gopher more than anybody I had ever met. And at that point in his tenure in the program, he was building what he's built over there now, and you were one of the uh, first piece. And then you end, up, you end up getting into a game. How does that go down?
1: Yeah, so... Well, the funny thing, just uh, that, just going back to your your piece on what Coach Fleck was saying, you know, when he came in, uh, there was more kids who left than stayed on the team. So everybody was leaving just due to you know, new coach coming in, things being different, things being hard. You know, in the weight room, they're trying to kind of see who wanted, who really wanted to be there. They're working guys like crazy, and you know, guys were leaving, guys were quitting, that kind of stuff. And so I think it was kind of eye opening for him to see a kid come in and say, hey. I want to be here as opposed to, hey, I'm quitting. Hey, I'm leaving. Um, So I think that helped my case. Um, But so I joined the team in 2017, Coach Flex's first season. And I'm like team member number 120 of 120. (laughs) Like there wasn't even a depth chart for fourth string placeholder, but that's where I was at. You know, there's a handful of upperclassmen above me. And and so I, I was not even getting a sniff. And so my freshman year goes by, sophomore year goes by. So now we're into my junior season, and still never traveled, never really gotten any real reps. You know, I'm, I'm lifting every day with the team. I'm practicing every single day, but you know, there's just there's a kid who's been doing it for three years in front of me. So there's not a lot of reps to go around to begin with, and he's taking them all. And so we're, you know, six games in, and we're in game seven, and we're playing Nebraska at home, and we're six and zero at the time. We're we're off to a pretty good start. And it's kind of like a sleety, snowy day. And I remember there's like six minutes to go in the game. And our special teams coordinator comes up and he's like, Hey, you know, if we score, you have the next extra point. And it's like wet and it's like twenty-eight <laughs> degrees. Like,
2: it's like thanks a lot.
1: Yeah. And I haven't I mean, I, I needed, like I went and hopped on a bike because I had just been like sitting all the game and I was yeah. like, I need to like get into the game, like like mentally, like I'm not I'm checked out. And so we get we have a fourth and one from like the 32, and it would be a long field goal. Um, so Coach Fleck calls a timeout, and I'm like taking snaps on the sideline, and he decides to go for it. And I'm so thankful he did. <laughs> because, you know, there's it's a, it's a wet ball. It's late in the game. You know, who knows? Somebody does something stupid out there and runs into a guy, and, you know, you, you take a hit that you don't want to take a hit. Um, so anyways, we end up going for it, and we get it. And then we run out the clock and kneel it out but that was the first time that i'd ever been like have a chance of going to go into the game and i didn't know if it was going to come back around because who knows maybe we play close games the rest of the year and i don't get a chance but the next week we're playing on the road at Rutgers, and i knew you know, you know Rutgers isn't great we're kind of rolling you know this could be a game that we blow them out um, but i have never traveled at this point and so Wednesday, the travel roster comes out and I'm on it and nobody says anything to me. Coach Fleck doesn't say anything or special teams guy doesn't say anything, Um, but I'm just on the travel roster. So call my parents. I'm like, hey, I'm traveling this week. They haven't told me if I'm going to play at all, but just so you know, and of course they're like, we're coming. We don't care if you play or not. We're coming. So they like that night bought tickets out to Piscataway, New Jersey, and we fly out there. And so we're, I think we're like number 19 in the country at this point or something like that. We're 7-0, and Rutgers is like 1-6. And it, we go into halftime only up 14-0. And like we've missed two field goals, and we're not playing well. And Coach Flack comes in and lights up the locker room. I mean, he's ripping guys. And, you know, just saying, hey, we're not, we're a lot better than this. You know, we're number 19 team in the country. Let's go play like it. And so we come out of the second half. We score and now it's twenty one zero and still, you know, nothing in warm ups, nothing during halftime, nothing during the third quarter. You know, no one's come up to me and said, Hey, you know, just be ready, like, you know, never never know what happens. And so we're going down, it's now twenty one zero, it's kind of getting towards the end of the third quarter, and we got the ball in like their seven yard line. And it's like a fourth and one. Coach Fleck takes a timeout. So I'm on the sideline with our starting snapper and our starting holder and i'm just like hey let me just take a snap just to see one you know i hope we score here but um you know i haven't seen a snap since warmups three hours ago so let me just see a snap just so i can catch a ball and just, just try to stay locked in and so coach flex in the huddle with the offense and he's saying you guys better effing score here because casey's going in but i had no idea that he's saying this and our our special teams guy doesn't say anything to me so i'm just kind of over here just like, hey, just let me get one snap and you guys take the rest. And so the team goes out there for that fourth and one and I come back to the sideline and I go stand right behind Coach Fleck because my hope is that we score and he turns around and like runs into me and it's like, hey, like, just get out there. like whatever. <laughs> oh, that's right. He's got a whole strategy. <laughs> I told you yeah. you could He's, play. Yeah. yeah, go. Go ahead. So I'm standing right behind him and on that fourth and one, Muhammad Ibrahim, our, our stud running back, takes it and scores, and Coach Flack like whips around and he's like Casey, Casey, and he's like looking all over the place for me, and I'm like right in front of his face, and he like smacks me on the helmet and he's like, Hey, you're it. And so, you know, if you if you look up the the ESPN video of it, like you can see like him looking around for me and I'm like right in his face. Yeah. And so, you know, I go out there and, um, you know, the rest is history. Uh, get to playing three more snaps that game and um you know kind of get the chance to go love out my dream
2: so let me ask you a question so like i don't know anything about place holding right i mean I was two questions what'd you think of the whole cowboy kicker i mean what would you be telling him as a as a i mean why do you think that happens
1: yeah so you know it's it's such a it's a tough position because you're literally you're, you're sitting all game long yep and then you come out you have to keep your legs loose you have to stay locked in and every time you get out there it's an important play you know if it's second and seven and it's 10 minutes to go in the second quarter you know it's it's another play it could be a big play could not be but you know when you're when you're kicking it's for points mm-hmm. like every play is for points and so you know if you get in your head at all like it can go south quick it's right. like it's like if you if you struggle in golf like people yeah. compare golfers and kickers a lot because if you get in your own head you're you're done you're toast so if you think you're going to slice off the tee you're probably going to slice off the tee. So, if you get in your head, like, hey, like, I can't, I can't aim, like, like, this is no good. Yeah.
2: He seemed like it definitely. Yeah. Like, he had checked out. Mm-hmm. Like, it was almost like they did him a favor when they went for two. Yeah. And then they let him come back in, which was a good move. Mm-hmm. But when this, the second question is when they blame the placeholder on a missed kick, what would the placeholder do wrong?
1: So, there's, it's actually more of like, it's more of a skill than people think it is. So, think about this so just we'll use my wallet for example. So my spot as the as the holder is right here and so the kicker is taking his steps he puts his cleat right here and takes his steps off of where my fingers are. So the ball when I catch it needs to go right to that spot and that's that's what you rep thousands of times in practice is making sure that when you catch the ball it's right on that spot because for example, going back to golf, like say you take a practice swing and you think the ball is going to be right there, and then you put it in the back of your stance in the middle of your downswing, like your your contact is going to be off because you weren't expecting the ball to be there. And so the biggest thing is always spot first, and then it's laces. You know, if you if you're on your spot but the kicker kicks the laces, he should still be able to make it, but the ball is going to move a little bit more in the air. So it's spot first, then laces out. Oh, it's
2: always laces out. Just always. like Ace Ventura. Always, yeah.
1: always laces up.
2: So what about the kickers? Are they are they like goalies? Kind of kind of out there? Yeah. Or, I mean, what, what's yeah, their are mentality? They, are they
1: weirdos? It's it's funny, you know, different guys have different personalities, but I would say by and large, they're eclectic dudes. What is the eclectic nice word
0: for what what does that mean? What are they are they are they, are they like Playboy kickers or are they um like
2: nervous, paranoid, are they at
1: the comic book shop or what are we, what are we dealing with? Um, I would say more of like, like kind of in their own head a little bit. Like if we take a timeout, you know, they just walk away and like do their own thing where the rest of the team's like talking in the huddle, like they're just in their own head, like thinking about whatever they need to do. Um, but I mean, like, <laughs> it's funny, you know, they're, they're just goofy dudes. Like it's like going on a hockey team. Like he's just kind of different than the rest of the players. It's different guys. Well, because it's
2: interesting. because the other the other question I had for you. So during all the practice, right, you all kind of go off on your own, right? The yeah. S- special teams guys, yeah. kickers, punters, all that kind of stuff. So I, do you think that that's part of it? Because like goalies also are always by themselves. So when you were going through your years at the U and Creighton, um, you spent a lot of time just off. Do they send the kickers and placeholders off, and you guys go do your own thing.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of that. You know, it's like, hey, you know the. Offense and defense are going to be taking up most of the field. You're either going to be on the side of the field, you know, working snaps and holds and that kind of stuff. Or you're going to be, while the team is on the indoor, you're going to go to the outdoor and you're going to work full kicks and full kickoffs and full punts and that kind of stuff. But 95% of the time, you're with the same eight guys. As opposed to, you know, the offense and defense, you're in and out of the huddle with different guys. Your first offense, first defense you know second offense second defense like there's all these different guys who are playing with each other um you know for for us as the specialists it's like the eight of us and if you miss a kick you know you got those guys but probably nobody else is going to have your back so it's a little bit kind of like you know you're in your own herd that way
0: can we talk about coach fleck for a little bit cuz this guy's he changed your life i mean you've been winning these battles on your own but he really did changed your life. He gave you a chance when other people weren't. And, um, I've gotten to know him cause we did a commercial with him and I, I always tell people PJ Fleck wakes up every morning being PJ Fleck. Yeah. It's not a costume. I know Minnesotans tend to not, um, they're, they're skeptical of, you know, anybody who's like a blowhard or, you know, too optimistic. And, um, but this guy is, is that he is what he is and it's not an act as far as i can tell what what are your pj stories or what did you love about him or what do people not know about him
1: maybe i mean like you said it's unbelievable but how you see him on tv and how you see him when he's in interviews is how he is 24 7. yeah i I mean he he hammers coffee i don't know how he like he never (laughs) sleeps he hammers coffee (laughs) but it's like he's he you know that when he walks in the meeting room, like you better be ready to go because he's going to be flying. And so for me, it was fun to be around. And why why I still love talking to him today is because like everybody in the in the common work world is kind of like dragging, you know, like ah oh, another day, another day. And Coach Flex like, where is the nearest door that I can smash my head through? Like, like wh- what are we going to do today that's going to set this program up to go be special? And you know, it's hard to find people like that. Um, I'm trying to think of my favorite Coach Flex story. You know, he—he's he, one thing that people don't know about him is that he's very uh, like ritualistic and like very um, like if something works, he doesn't change it. So I remember in 2019 when we were playing really well, he had like this Minnesota Timberwolves pullover that he would wear every Friday night at the hotel, and it was like everybody would being like their Minnesota stuff. Like we'd all travel in the same clothes and whatnot, and he'd have the same. Like pull over on and it was just like hey but it's, it's not it's working i'm not going to change it and it's like stuff like that you'll notice like if you're around him like he's, he's got a way of like if it works i'm not going to change it
0: what's what's he like uh i'm assuming you talk to him on the phone still oh yeah mm-hmm. so like i always i was fascinated um uh edelman was saying you know tom brady calls everybody baby all the time and stuff like, like what? What, what happens like when like when pj fleck calls you What's that like? I does mean he call does you it, baby? Does he use the word elite or like what's what's happening with uh with pJ?
1: one thing that he says a lot and you'll just like you'll see it is he says love you a lot, which will take people back um but I like in my instance, I feel like he means it to me like because we've been through a lot of stuff together um but like every time I talk to him it's like Love you, love you, love you. And so I say it back to him like yeah. <laughs> I say I say I love because I do. But it's like funny like two guys saying I love you to each other. But um Sean and I we
2: do that all the yeah, time. We yeah. do. We, we do. always end our conversations with I love you. We our do. wives things it's a little well, weird. We, we
0: do the you say it, you say it last. I time. say you say it yeah, Easy. you hang yeah, up do. first. <laughs> <of> you hang <laughs> up first. We do a lot of that. I, I saw him um when we we just shot a testimonial with him for your foundation, which we'll get into later and and I said, uh I was I was hung over and seeing PJ Fleck hungover is horrible (laughs) because he's sort of like a dad and a cult leader mixed together and he like i felt like he knew i wasn't at full strength you disappointed him (laughs) and and he's always at full strength and i remember asking him like he's like how are you doing and i was like yeah fine why why you, you know how are you doing and he just goes elite and then he went into that side room in his coach's room and just put on his like it's almost like all I can think of with PJ Fleck is Revenge of the Nerds, where they wake up and they pull the sheets off their bed and they're already wearing their clothes for school. <laughs> it's like I picture his coaching outfit is like a onesie. Like he puts it on and like snaps one button on the side and just walks out of that side room. He's like, what do you need? You know, but I, uh, yeah, he's a he's fun. Uh. Is there any like quirks or like what does he do? Does he have hobbies or, you know, does he collect stuff or is there any PJ things the world don't doesn't know about?
1: Hmm, trying to think. He really likes riding bikes. Like he's a big Peloton guy. I know that. Perfect. Um, he likes to play golf, but never has time to play golf. But then thinks that he should go out and shoot par. <laughs> um, if you can believe that. he's How a about music? Guy. Does he like music? He's he, he actually has like a really wide taste in music. Um, you know, so one of the things that he does is like every morning when we start our team meetings, there's always music playing before he comes in. It's like everybody's in there and there'll be like a song of the day on. And it's, it ranges from, you know, female country singer to Tupac, to the Beatles, to, you know, anything you can think of. He'll listen to anything. Um, So that's another thing. It's like, he's got a wide taste in music. He actually, one thing, here's a, here's an inside baseball story for you. He, uh he was like a sixth grade, uh, like history teacher or something like that before he got into coaching. So he's really big into history. Uh And so like. Like loves like the presidents, loves to go to museums, that kind of stuff. Like history buff, which you would not expect out of him.
2: Not at all. Hey, well, let me jump in really quick. Yeah. I got a question for you. So, like, obviously, playing against Rutgers was a was a, a quite an accomplishment. But just being a part of the team, do you have any great stories about just your teammates and some some fond memories you have? Just being a part of the team. You know, what 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 are some cool? Because you, you're talking about being on the sidelines and stuff during all these games and waiting to get in. I'm sure you heard and saw some pretty, pretty, pretty fun and crazy things.
1: Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's, you have so much time where, especially like during fall camp, where you get to the facility at 7 a.m. and you're in meetings until 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. So you're only seeing those guys. And I mean, like some of the funniest stuff to me would just be like, guys would be so tired that they would like, they'd like lay down on like countertops and like that (laughs) kind of stuff and like they'd push tables together like tables like this and just fall asleep for like 30 minutes.
0: It's like you're stuck in the airport.
1: Yeah, it's (laughs) like there'd just be bodies everywhere. And so like we'd have these like nap breaks during fall camp where they literally would get like inflatable mattresses like the little like single mattresses that you get at, you know, wherever Gander Mountain and they'd blow up like 40 of them and just lay them across the floor on the turf. And guys would just like collapse onto these little mattresses, and then after 40 minutes, our strength coach would stand there with an air horn. Oh my god! Wake everybody oh. up!
2: Oh my gosh. <laughs> like my biggest nightmare. Yeah,
1: guys would be like shaking. Like, oh,
0: we should get those for our office. A little yeah, little. or
2: that a bucket of cold water right on you. <laughs> wow.
0: Um, do you think PJs? Uh, I was. It's funny. I was in uh, this hockey rink about a week ago and they just had this sign it just said no bad days i don't know if that was for some tagline for the arena or what but did being around fleck you're known for your positive attitude i mean i, I have known you for a little while now and we'll we'll get into uh, there's a little thing you do that i would I need you to do on this podcast in a minute but did being around a guy like that change your psychology as you battle and continue to battle cancer
1: most definitely so you know, one of the things why Coach Fleck has been so important to me and why he's you know, such a good friend is, you know, good or bad, I call him after every single one of my scans. You know, when I have scans on my lungs, you know, they're either going to be good or bad, and he's always going to have something positive to spin it with no matter what happens. So I like, I vividly remember my junior year, you know, finding out that I had you know, a spot in one of my lungs and... I call him and I was sobbing, crying. And I was like, hey, like, it's back. I got to have another surgery. And he's like, hey, like, stop crying. We hit a triple. We didn't hit a grand slam. The rest of your lungs are completely clean. You got one little spot, one little spot. We're going to take it out and you're going to be right back on the football field. It's a triple. It's not a grand slam. But guess what? You got another at bat. Let's go. And it was like, that's all that I needed. And yeah. I was like, like, I stopped crying. And I was like, hey, he's right. Like, let's let's go get it done and we'll get back on the football field. It's almost amazing when you think
2: about it with your story and your journey that he shows up on the scene at the time when you're coming on the scene. And it's almost like a match made in heaven. I mean, being serious. Like, it's like you couldn't have picked a better coach to be around.
0: And the center of that wall he has in his office is all these pictures. And you, the middle of it is two pictures of, of you being on the field. and Because uh, think of the risk he took. I mean, what happens if you just get blown up in that Rutgers, Rutgers game? I mean, he's like, ah. Uh, I mean, that would have been awful. I mean, so he put his neck out there too, and I think that's great. We're going to do a, a quick ad break here. We'll come back with uh, more of Casey O'Brien. Can You Keep a Secret is sponsored by Jimmy Salad Dressings and Dips. Uh, we just talked to Casey about the, you know, it's the dead of winter. We're shoveling off the driveway. That also means it's uh, chunky blue cheese season. And also. I'm
2: shoveling a lot of that in. Yeah, it is. It is kind of. <laughs> it, it
0: is time to shovel some chunky blue cheese in. Whether it's a buffalo dip, uh, maybe you're mixing it with French dressing, with which a lot of Midwesterners do. Um, it is Super Bowl. You know, you're getting set up for NFL playoffs. Get that chunky blue cheese dressing from Jimmy's on there. Family-run company, Minnesota company. You can find it at Cub. You can find it at hy V. Don't you be messing with my dressing. Uh, we also have another sponsor, Duke Cannon. So if you're, uh, if your hair is a weapon or you wish it was, all you need to do is go over to DukeCannon.com, C-A-N-N-O-N.com or Target and get the best men's grooming products on the planet. Uh, serious Flow, uh, Hockey Puck Shampoo, whatever you need. Get that salad in tip-top shape with Duke Cannon grooming products, DukeCannon.com. All right, we're back with Casey. Uh, I wanted you to do, you've done this a couple times. I think people may be listening to the Podcast. i mean obviously if a guy has five notches on his belt um for five title fights with cancer and is currently doing it again which we'll get into that's amazing but i love this inventory you do where you go you kind of rattle off all the things that have happened to you and all the pieces that have been changed or can you do your i guess it's the terminator uh casey (laughs) o'brien do your little uh 42nd, um, here's the, all the crap that uh, I've given up to cancer.
1: Yeah. So I, uh, I've had 28 surgeries now. Um, I had my left knee completely replaced when I was 13. So fully metal left knee, metal rod in my femur, metal rod in my tibia, cadaver bone in my fever. Cause they had to take out like four inches of my, my femur. Um, I have three ribs missing. Uh, They replaced those with like Gore-Tex plastic and then mesh. So I got a bunch of mesh in my ribs as well. Um, I've spent like 420 nights in the hospital. Um, I've had, you know, 1,000 plus stitches. Uh, I've done six different kinds of chemo, two kinds of immunotherapy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm basically like a lab rat at this point. It's unbelievable. It's at the point where they, uh, like when they take out one of my tumors, uh you know they like sequence it and they look at the dna and all that whatever they do and there's like stuff that they can't explain with how like my tumors changed over time and they're at the point where they're like yeah we don't have anyone in your like data set that's done everything that you've done and had all the different types of treatment and whatnot so uh yeah you're uh, leading the way on this one <laughs> you're a trailblazer yeah.
2: <laughs> not not something you don't want to be but yeah exactly I, so
0: yeah i think axel you're former teammate at the, you called you a fire breather. And that, that to me is, I don't know what else to say. Anybody that just listened to that. And you have a lot of catchphrases that keep you going, right? Like if, if there was a Casey O'Brien book and there were, you know, a couple chapter titles, what would be some of those chapter titles?
1: Well, the title of the book I can tell you right now would be win the day. That's my favorite phrase, um, personally, because you know, what I've learned is that when you wake up in the morning, you believe, you know, you got 24 hours that you're going to have in this day. And there's no guarantee that you wake up tomorrow, but you woke up this morning. So you got a day in front of you. And to me, it's about, you know, winning that day and enjoying that day. Because like I said, I've had 420 days in the hospital where I'm not allowed to leave the floor, can't go outside. I'm hooked up to an IV pole. So everywhere I go, I'm pulling an IV with me. And can't work out, can't go see friends, you know, during COVID, you can't have any visitors at all besides one parent. Um, So I've had a lot of days that I've spent by myself. And it kind of feels like you're in jail when you're just sitting there alone. And so to me, it's about, hey, you got another 24 hours, that you're out of the hospital, you're walking around, uh, go enjoy it and go win the day.
2: Uh, That's well, speaking of which, so we were talking about this before we, we started, like, give us give us some stuff you like to do. You know, obviously, you're a big sports guy, but like, on a normal win the day day where you're fired up and ready
1: to go, what's what? What do you like to do? So working out and slash like kind of physical fitness is something that. Um, so what I look at in my battle with cancer is like where do, where can I get edges against cancer? You know where can I where can I fight back a little bit? And what I've learned are diet, sleep, and exercise. So I work out in sauna probably six days a week, sometimes seven. Um, I follow a real strict diet of trying to avoid processed sugar. I don't drink anything like that. Um, and try to get as much sleep as I can. And so to me, you know, I always feel better when I get a workout in the morning, you know, get the day going. Um, but what I really like to do is I like to play golf because number one, I get to be outside. You know, when you sit in the hospital, all you want to do is be outside because, you know, the, the windows in the hospital, they don't open up. They're just floor-to-ceiling glass, so you're just looking outside. You can't feel a breeze. You can't do any of that kind of stuff. So to me, golf, you're outside. You're usually in somewhere that's pretty cool scenery, um, and then you're doing something competitive. You know, you're know, you playing something where it's you against the course and you're trying to beat the course. And sometimes you're playing against somebody in your group and you're trying to beat them. But you know, it's something that's competitive. You're out there exercising and usually got sun shining on you. So golf will be one of my favorite things to do. Where, where, like where do you play? so i'll play anywhere i can get on but i'm a mile from highland um highland national so uh you can get a membership out there for like 1500 bucks and play every day of the week so that's that's what i do is, oh, is cool. that
0: golf course owned by someone from
2: Creton
1: it's not i think should it's owned be. by the
2: city um <laughs> we should go play there it's a good course yeah i
0: what's your handicap are you a strong golfer
1: um my handicap last summer was like an eight. Oh uh, wow that's
2: way better than us
0: um so let's go off road a little bit sure so one of the things I wonder with you, because I've seen you, uh, your story is unbelievable. You're just a, you're just an inspiration. I, do you, how often do you get to just kind of, um, have a, you know, a normal conversation or someone messing with you? Cause I remember when I would do, uh, the sled hockey stuff with the, um, Hendrickson foundation and, and all these sled hockey players, it's like their, their, their entire life is like this Gatorade commercial where they're. You know, they're an inspiring story. But when when they're with each other, they are just giving each other so much shit, right? So if, if a guy in a, a wheelchair falls over coming into the rink and he's stuck in the snow, all the other sled players, they're not helping him out. They're laughing their ass off. <laughs> and they do all this stuff like, hey, coach, I can't feel my legs, you know, in between periods and stuff. Is there is there a sense of humor around this battle you have? Do you ever... I know you don't drink but do you ever i mean do you how do you like how do you you know cope with the battle and kind of keep it light from time to time
1: yeah you know i uh i would say like one of the ways that i kind of keep it light is just kind of like joking around you know i've been lucky to develop some relationships with my doctors and nurses and people at the hospital because i spent so much time there so you know like I'll, i'll i like to give the like the the hospital people a hard time you know like you know, do I have a corner suite yet? Do I have my name in <laughs> it? Like, do I got? I got Delta Sky Miles. Like, like it's got to get me something in this place. Like, can I get like a butler up here? Like something like that. Like, Perks. Yeah. Like, what can we do for my room? Like, can we, can we get something in here going? Like, come on. Like, I've spent a lot of nights in this place. It's got to be good for something.
0: You're in the C-suite. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have status uh, at Masonic. I, um, that's funny. I, what's your philosophy on, uh, another another buddy of mine um, found out he had cancer recently and he, he had been a five-year survivor before that. He was telling me the other night that um, that he, they call it a survivor because his, his thing is like he considers cancer a formidable foe and he doesn't even like some of these phrases like puck cancer from hockey or anything that's sort of like um, giving the middle finger to it because he's kind of like this is like a – This is a serious uh, enemy and you have to like respect it to to battle it on a daily basis. And I'm sure people differ with that. But how do you when you think of this thing you've been fighting over and over again is are you the middle finger guy that's like um, or or how do you think of that battle with with the disease itself?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, there's there's a lot of people who like, you know, like harbor a lot of anger and that kind of stuff. Yeah, Uh, I really have none of that. You know, it's like it's frustrating, but um, I realize that it's it's part of life. And you know, it's in a large group of people, somebody's going to have to go through it. Um, so for me, it's more about, hey, you know, this is a situation. How can I get through it? Like, you know, what what can I do to give myself the best chance? Um, because you know, it's it's going to happen to somebody. It happened to be me. So let's go figure out how we can go get through it. Because I got a lot of life to live ahead of me. So I don't harbor any anger, any any of that kind of stuff. You know, it's, it's frustrating to have to keep getting surgeries and this, that, and the other. But to me, it's like, all right, this is the situation. Let's go get through it.
2: So do you, do you? because you are an inspiration, but do you ever get tired of hearing that? I mean, do you ever get tired of having that mantle on your shoulders?
1: Um, Like, I don't look at myself as an inspiration. Uh, to me, it's like, hey, I'm just showing up and doing what I have to. Uh, if that's inspiring other people, like, I'm glad that I can be that for other people. But to me, it's like, hey... Like I just want to stay alive, so I just I'm doing what. I do. <laughs> That's okay. hey, just just hey, hanging
0: do, out, trying to stay alive. I'll
2: keep doing that if it keeps <laughs> me going. Yeah, like if I that just,
0: turns you on, I'll yeah. be here, continuing to still try to stay alive. <laughs> stay tuned.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I just I'm doing what I'm told and doing what needs to be done to keep keep the cancer away. Um, and if people, you know, can draw strength from that, or you know motivated by that whatever that does for them i'm happy for but i don't i don't see myself as some like superhero or anything like that
2: so i'm gonna go a little off road too so obviously during this this you had talked at one time when i first met you about the amazing support system that you have and if you know that it continue to have so who are who are some of the like in your phone who would be the most famous person that you can reach out to for a little little love when you need it i mean you've met a lot of great people but can you
1: explain so, the, the, if I were to call somebody right now, who would answer? It would be Coach Flack. Like he, he, would answer, or he'd call me back in five minutes if he was on a call. But he was probably the first person that I would go to. Another guy who I've gotten really close with, who's been fantastic, is Ryan McDonough. Um, he's a Cretan guy. Obviously, he's played a bunch of years in the NHL, but um, has always kind of had my back. And you know, I've, I've kind of kept him in the loop on, hey, just found out I got bad news. Got to go get another surgery, and. You know, he's like, "Hey, give me an update as soon as you're out of surgery." Hey, I'm thinking about you. Um, you know, when they had their hockey fights cancer night this year, completely unprompted, he like wrote Casey on his his sign and held it up and that kind of stuff. So, um, and then he was home for Christmas. He was like, "Hey, can I come by and see you?" Like, completely un- unprompted. Um, so it's cool to see a guy like that who, you know, just I'm a fan of his. I'm just like, yeah, he's a, a stud. I'm just another guy, and he is uh, kind of going out his way to to make sure that you know he he knows or i know that he cares about me and um he's going to be having my back so that's been pretty cool um but then another another name that's been you know kind of cool to get get to know a little bit has been uh i got connected with joe burrow in 2019 um when we were down at the the award show down in uh, atlanta college football awards and you know texted back and forth talked with him quite a bit um he's been a pretty cool guy too to and I'll just say, hey, you know, we're thinking about you. Just keep grinding. I
2: got to tell you what. I love that dude. Yeah. Oh, I'd, I love that dude. I'd love to smoke. I just love the, just love the way he plays. And, you you know, from a quarterback, he just never panics. Winner. They're always behind, too, at least it seems. And he's just looking at it like no big thing.
1: Does, doesn't
0: seem to have an offensive line. I just doesn't love matter. him. Just
2: love him.
1: The thing that's so cool about him is that you never feel like you're out of a game with him. Right. You know, it's like. He's never gonna quit, and he's gonna stand there, and he's gonna take a million hits, and still stand in there and throw it all game long. And so you always got a chance with him, and guys love playing with them. Yeah, that's great.
0: You get to know any musicians through the through your battles? Like uh, I know the athletes and musicians tend to, or even actors, as you've kind of gone through your one of a kind story.
1: Um, not particularly. Um, you know, I so another guy who played with you was Eric Decker who yeah. I've, I've gotten to know a little bit. And uh, he knows that I'm a country music guy. So, um, you know, for my birthday, I had Kenny Chesney send a video. So that was pretty cool. Oh, nice. um, I'm a big Kenny guy. So I would love to meet him. I haven't met him yet, but um, hopefully we'll get the chance to meet him. Um, but I love country music. So I haven't come across too many of those guys, but hopefully we will. You, you want to say something? Well, I was just
2: going to ask because it's still on my mind. Who's your favorite golfer?
1: My favorite golf, I mean, obviously everybody looks up to tiger because he's tiger, but I love the way that Justin Thomas plays. He plays with so much passion out there and so much fire. Like especially when you watch him in like the Ryder Cups and the President's Cups when he's playing for the country. Like he is he's a bad dude. Like he's he's screaming at people. He's he's saying, you know, are you not entertained? That kind of stuff. That gets you fired up.
0: Yeah, he becomes JT. Yeah. When in the biggest moments, he's great. Um I, uh, in the hospital, is there a camaraderie between the other, I know you wear the, um, you can talk a little bit about the, the wristbands, but when, when you're just there with the other patients, like you said, you can't even open the windows. Are you, uh, is there shorthand? Do you talk differently? Do you kind of, you know, are you goofing around or what was it like a football team at all?
1: Um, I wouldn't say it's goofing around because when you're in the hospital, it's a pretty serious situation. Um, but I would say there is like, there's a mutual respect there of like, Hey, like I'm going through some shit. You're going through some shit. Like we're, our lives are a lot different than everybody else, our age. Um, like kind of like tip of the cap, basically. That's how I would say it. It's like, you know, when you walk around the hallways and you see another kid walking around too, it's like, Hey, like keep, keep grinding. Like we'll get through this thing. Um, you know, it's, it's hard because, you know, it's, every day that goes by, there's another kid that gets diagnosed with cancer. So there's always going to be somebody sitting there in that hospital, um, which is hard for me because I don't want anybody to ever have to go through what I have. Um, But I know that there's a lot of tough people out there and um, people that are in good hands with the doctors and and, and surgeons over there. So um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just kind of like a a mutual respect of, hey, just keep grinding.
0: And, you know, you've spent so many nights in the hospital that you've Done something else, which is to make um, M Health, you know, Team One Four basically your your charity. You're well on your way to raising a million dollars to um, create a new area that will transform that hospital, which is a great hospital but a little bit dated, like a lot of these places are, mm-hmm. to a place that feels like a hospital mm-hmm. and to a place that feels like it's going to help start getting you well. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what you're doing with Team One Four and and how people can get involved in that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So at the, at the Masonic Children's Hospital, where I've been at the last 10 years, there's a floor, the ninth floor is called the, the Journey Clinic. And it's called the Journey Clinic because when you come off the elevator, you either go right to go into the consultation rooms, where you're reviewing your scans and your chemotherapy protocol with your oncologist, or you go left to go into the daily infusion rooms. So if you're on that floor, you're on the floor for something serious. And so I've spent a ton of time up there. You know, I've, I've gotten a lot of special people up there. And I wanted to figure out a way to make that experience a little bit better. Because like I said, you know, we're not going to cure cancer overnight. But what we can do is we can make that experience a little bit better for the families that have to spend 8, 10 hours a day there like I have. So, you know, what we're doing is we're raising a million dollars to completely redo that Journey Clinic floor. You know, we're going to update each one of those rooms to have you know bigger TVs, Netflix, Disney Plus, you know, Spotify, um, iPads, books, puzzles, games, because a lot of times, you know, it's families that are not from the Twin Cities or not from Minnesota even that are flying in for specialty care at Masonic because it's a really reputable hospital. And so they're staying at the Ronald McDonald House and they're basically, you know, it's a mom and dad and a son or a mom and... And a son and a younger brother a mom and a daughter and a brother so you know you got to be able to have a way to keep those people entertained for the eight or ten hours a day that they have to spend at the hospital and you know, i feel like we can do a little bit better job for those families and try to make that experience better
0: and how would people if, if someone's just listening to this podcast I'm assuming if you give $14 or, you know, whatever to Team 1-4 that it all adds up to the goal you're trying to reach. What, where would you tell them to go? Uh, what can they do to kind of show that they're supporting you and trying to change the hospital the same way you are?
1: Yeah, I would direct them to team one which you've helped build. Um, it's a great website that it lays out a little bit more about my story, about what we're doing, some different videos from know teammates and coach flack about you know kind of my story and you know what this project means to me and what it means to them um but it, it also allows you to donate right on that website there so it's team one w or i'm sorry o n e f o r dot org um pop on there take a look around and throw a few bucks at it if you if you have the chance
0: and how are you doing now you're you know when we designed the website there were sort of five x's for the five battles uh, I, as you know you're you're currently carving a new X uh, with your sixth battle again uncharted territory to tie a Seinfeld reference and we're way past E on this <laughs> one. Um what uh how are you how, how are you doing
1: yeah so you know I I'm a little bit banged up um, I had surgery in November to take a tumor out of my right lung and then had a surgery in mid-December to take a tumor out of my left lung and in that surgery, uh, they ended up having to go through um, a little bit more lung than they were expecting, and they had a an air leak that had started in my lung. So, like my lung, when they when I was recovering from surgery, it wasn't like properly like inflating. So, like I couldn't like catch my breath basically. No. So I had to get a third surgery to put a valve in my lung um, to basically plug that hole up and allow my lung to get its air back. So uh, you know, I had three surgeries in the last month. Um, yeah, and when they do these lung surgeries, they basically like separate your ribs and then go into your lung from the side. So, um, you know, both sides are pretty sore, but, you know, still finding a way to get on a treadmill and incline walk or do something lightweight, um, just to keep my head going and keep feeling like I'm, you know, recovering and, and getting back on track.
0: And what is a, light at the end of the tunnel look like for you when you're maybe on the golf course this spring? What what needs to happen? What are the hurdles we're all rooting for? What's the
1: phone call to coach fleck? That means you're out of the water at least for now. So I actually had a scan on Monday of this week. Um, and what we were looking at, so when I had this surgery in November, so they take the spot out and so like if the tumor is a circle, they take a, a bigger circle around that tumor and that's called their margins. And you want to take uh, enough out so that your margins are clean so that you know that you got the whole tumor out and you even took out like some healthy cells around it so you know that you got it encased and um, when we got the data back from the surgery that i had in the right side one of the margins areas was not clean so uh, at the end of february i got to have one more surgery to clean the rest of that out but i had a scan on monday and there's no evidence of disease on the scan Um, the area in the right side that we gotta go take out is like microscopic cells that are so small that they don't even show up on a scan right now. So I'm on a chemo pill um, just basically to, you know, keep anything from popping up and kind of, you know, slower, stop anything from growing that might be there. um, And then clean that that right side out. And as far as we know, that's all that's there. So we'll be back to, you know, really no evidence of disease once that area that we know is microscopic is out. Um, And then it's just back to kind of monitoring and Getting the scans every couple of months and making sure that nothing pops up.
0: Well, that's good, man. We're rooting for you. Did you have anything else?
2: No, man. It's just a pleasure having you on, and it makes me when you meet an individual like this. I just realize how disappointing I am as a human being. <laughs> like, I, oh my god, it's it's, it's just it's just amazing. Should we
0: try the one thing? We can cut it out if it doesn't work.
2: No. <laughs> no. No. I don't think so. No. I. Uh, um, John has a dark sense of humor. Is that what you're talking about?
0: Yeah, I was going to, yeah. I. I it's, a, it's a question I want to know. We'll do it off air. Um, we'll cut this out. But I uh, can't thank you enough for coming by. And uh, your story is amazing. I would ask people to go to team14, T-E-A-M, 14, T-E-A-M. O n e f o u r dot org. That is kind of hard to yeah, spell, right? Yeah, I had right? to think about it for a second yeah, there. I think, I nice think, marketing, John. Yeah, it's, we maybe should have done Good something job, different buddy. there. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Could have been well over a million. Um, but please give some money, even if it's fourteen dollars, or just go there to check out Casey's story. Maybe you're in a similar battle, and uh, and and you're looking for some, you know, a way to win the day. And I think Casey can do that. We've loved having you on here. Awesome. This is can you keep a secret? Part of PulteP Sports.